Friday, everyone. Welcome to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. I'm your host, Michelle Berard, founder and CEO of Urban Book Editor. And I am very happy to share this hour with you where we examine all those places where spirit meets life and the joys and challenges that may bring. You guys know I like to start by thanking Ms. Beverly Black and Tribe Family Channel for helping me create this space for us. Tribe Family Channel is home to an assortment of thought-provoking shows that explore life, spirit, business, and culture including The Woman at the Well, hosted by Miss Beverly Black herself. Somewhere in the Middle was born on Tribe Family Channel, and though we've grown onto our own platform, we are ever grateful and loyal to our roots. To paraphrase an African proverb, we are here only because we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. I want to say thank you to my guest on the August 23rd show, author LaShawn versus Shanique. You can connect with LaShawn on social media, and if you miss that show, make sure you listen to the replay. You can find our complete show archives, including the August 23rd show, at the Somewhere in the Middle Podcast.com. I also want to shout out Bruce George of the Geniuses Common Movement, which encourages all of us to embrace our inner genius and share it with the world. This is a really important message, and we have to share it with the youth. But you guys remember it's not just for the youth. Sometimes we adults need to be reminded that the world needs our genius. Learn more about the Geniuses Common Movement at www. Dot geniusiscommon.com. And we're back with another great interview, and I am honored to introduce this week's guest. Tawana Williams was born without arms and impaired use of her legs. She's an award-winning keynote motivational speaker, TV personality, author, artist, mentor, executive producer, co-producer, businesswoman, humanitarian, and CEO. She is a highly sought after speaker with a powerful and uplifting message for all generations. Her compelling story is one of triumph, perseverance, and determination. She's overcome many obstacles and has never let her disability stop her. Tawana is the first black thalidomide baby in the United States who became an internationally acclaimed Les Brown Platinum Motivational Speaker. She's the author of six books, including her classic book, Unarmed But Dangerous. This book is her personal testimony and will be featured as her debut movie, Eagle Without Wings, which is coming soon to theaters. Tawana became a professional speaker in 1996 and travels the country with her husband, Toby, speaking at schools, churches, daycare centers, youth programs, boys and girls clubs, nursing homes, prisons, drug rehab centers, veterans associations, universities, colleges, fraternities, sororities, corporations, and other organizations. Tawana's mission is to give hope 
and inspiration to those facing adversities and challenges while teaching them how to cope in any situation. Tawana has been featured on The Jerry Springer Show, sharing her story of how she beat the odds, The Judge Hatchet Show to mentor a troubled teen, The Word Network, Mana Express TV, TCT TV, Atlanta Live, Lifetime Television, The 700th Club, Your World with Creflo Dollar, and many other television programs. She's been interviewed by Oprah's producers twice by telephone, and her story has been told in numerous magazines. Tawana is the hope coach, and she's teaching others how to live a life with no more excuses. So I'd like to welcome Tawana Williams to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. Tawana, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited, Michelle. Well, I'm excited too, because you have a particularly inspiring story. And you know, what I'm most interested in is sharing people's journeys, because I think they tell us a lot about how we, as human beings, have so much in common and we all have challenges that we're trying to work through and how we can overcome those to create the lives we want for ourselves, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> well, good. So you may have heard, I think I may have mentioned to you, I actually like to start my interviews with two questions. And I like these two questions because I think they automatically push you right in that direction of, of sharing your journey. And if you're ready, I'll ask them. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Well, Tawana Williams, who are you? And how did you become who you are today? I'm Tawana Williams, your messenger of hope, help, and inspiration. And I was blessed to be born without arms and impaired use of my legs due to the drug thalidomide that was given to my mother when she was pregnant with me. Then my mother told me there was nothing that I could not do. And I had a Grandma Rogers that did not play with me. And when I was four and a half years old, she looked me in the eyes and she said, T, you must not have needed arms cause God didn't give them to you. She yeah. said, nothing's missing. If you don't have it, then you don't need it. And those words have resonated throughout my spirit. And yes, I've overcome some major adversities throughout my life. I was gang raped many years ago during a home invasion, raped by my stepfather. I was addicted to crack and cocaine for 10 long years. I've experienced abortion, motherhood, a stroke, and three years ago, a mild heart attack. So I know that I'm here to help you overcome whatever adversities and challenges you may be facing in your life. And that's why I am unarmed, but dangerous. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is a lot. Yes. <laughs> that's a lot yes. to unpack. But that's who I am. Absolutely. Well, I mean, just that little snippet gives an idea of what made you into who you are today. But I think there's a lot to unpack there. So if you don't mind, I want to go back to some things because I, I jot notes. And yes, yes. First, tell people, uh, there's a generation that probably has no idea what the uh, thalamide, how do you say it again? Thalidomide. Thalidomide. (laughs) Thalidomide um, drug issue was at that time. Do you mind explaining what that drug issue was? Because I've read about it. Yeah. A lot of people probably don't know. Yeah. I was born in 1963. 
And back in those days, they were giving um, medication to customers or patients um, randomly. You know, my mom just, um, her doctor just gave it to her because she was having morning sickness and fainting spells and things like that. So she gave, he gave her um, some pills and she loved her doctor and believed in him and I'm the result, but I thank God, you know, for, for, for being here and just being the vessel and, you know, just being who I am. And I'm so glad that I'm, I was blessed to be, mm -hmm. to be this way. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's a blessing. I'm a blessing. Definitely. Definitely. But now I want to, I want to unpack that a little bit more because back then, especially 63, I was born in 68. So, you know, um, mm -hmm. same time frame. You didn't really question the doctors. No. Typically, you know, if, you know, if you, if you were fortunate enough to have the ability to get up and go to a doctor, the doctor told you something, you just kind of roll with it. As opposed to now where I think we have a lot more agency in our health. Um, what do you think? I mean, what do you think? that is uh the is that part of the general outcome we've seen so many of these things happen like and and really the doctors were kind of victims too in a way i don't want to you know he didn't know probably that doctor didn't know and i'm assuming it's a he back in 63. yeah um, it was a he it was a he. <laughs> he 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 didn't know probably the potential side effects of that drug so you know what are some of the things that you would say to people about um health in general you know, in our interaction with doctors? Well, for me, I don't do doctors well, and that's my personal um, preference. However, um, you know, I just, I really don't have, that. that's a very good question, Michelle, because my mom was so, she was so standoffish after, after that, she's the same way. She doesn't go to the doctors like that. So it's really, that's a tough question for me. Mm -hmm. I do know, I do know that the lidomide is being given now to um, people that have cancer. And mm -hmm. I, I've already told my husband and my family, if I ever get cancer, please don't give me the lidomide. I will not, you know, I, that's just my preference. But, wow. um, you know, I just, I, for me, I'm just, very standoffish with doctors unless I am so sick and can't do anything you know mm -hmm. I, I just don't go to doctors that's just my preference well you know and it's interesting that you say that because obviously after that situation your mom was probably like uh I don't know I don't trust these folks the same way yeah. I know that I grew up with a mother who didn't particularly trust doctors for herself yeah. on a certain level, but she took my sister and me, you know, she was not, she, she, I, you could see that there was something she just didn't, um, didn't, didn't trust them on, but she seemed to be, you know, she was all good about the well baby visits and the, you know, get yeah. immunizations and all of that stuff, mm -hmm. as opposed to in some ways we're seeing a resurgence of that distrust of the medical industry. Now, I think, yeah. People not wanting to get immunizations and stuff like that. Absolutely. Do you have any thoughts on that? 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just thinking back about the litter my babies, I, I, you know, I recommend um, the, the audience to just Google the litter my and you'll see um, the, that the fetuses, the babies, um, you know, it was, it's just devastating. You know, a lot of those babies have no arms nor legs. You know, some of them have no, the nose is gone or mm -hmm. the ears are deformed or, you know, some of them have stumps, you know, as far as legs, but just, you know, like torso, it, it's just sad. And so that's why I say that I'm blessed, you know, because it could have been worse yeah. and I'm just grateful. Um, but there were thousands of thalidomide yeah. babies that died. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in birth, you know, so I'm, I'm just grateful. That's all. I'm, I'm just grateful and blessed to be here. Well, and I think it's amazing that you, your mother basically said, there's nothing you can't do. And your grandmother said, if you don't have it, you don't need it. Absolutely. <laughs> that Absolutely. sounds like a Southern grandmother. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you don't have it, you don't need it. Go clean your room. <laughs> that's it. That's it. And that, that's, you know what, what you just said, that's how I lived my life. There was no excuses acceptable in my house, at Grandma Rogers' house. Mm -hmm. My three sisters did not play, my mama didn't play, and Grandma Rogers surely did not play. They made me, you know, they, they just made me figure it out in different areas and different times in my life when things got tough. They showed me and told me, go get tougher. You know, mm -hmm. when things were hard, go put your put your boxing gloves on your feet and go do it. And I did it. And I had right. chores. Um, like my sisters, I would um, do the bath, the bathroom. I would wash the tub. I would wash the toilet, one foot, you know, standing on one foot. I'm just saying, and I'm so glad that they taught me and showed me how to, how to do it. Because, you know, a lot of people or a lot of children that I even know today that um, have dis disabilities, um, they're in homes, they're in orphanages, you know, they are in rest homes where, you know, other people are taking care of them, but that's not who I am. And I'm so glad that mm -hmm. they showed me the way and pushed me into my greatness. And I'm so grateful. Well, and you know what, there's something to be said about that because it's easy even for what you might call i don't like that term able-bodied or disabled i don't really yeah. i don't know what a be better term is but i don't like yeah. those terms but you know so-called able-bodied people don't do as much you know i mean i'm sitting here looking going man i really need to 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 focus my energy a little, <laughs> a little bit yeah. better you know uh -huh. what i mean when yeah. i look at someone who has had that type of adversity that I haven't had to deal with and I start feeling sorry for myself, I've got to put things in perspective, right? Absolutely. We all need to do that. And you know, that's funny you say that because that's why I started speaking because years ago, 1995, 96, my husband Toby said, T, he said, God didn't create you this way for my family, for our family, for, for me. And, you know, he mm -hmm. said, he said, God created you this way because P 
people live defeated lives when they don't even have to. Right. And I said, wow, that's real talk right there. And yeah. so, you know, he gave me $300. He bought me a computer. Um, we prayed. He bought me some, some business cards. And we talked to God. And I got busy. I started calling strangers to open doors for me. I emailed 50 to 60 people a day with my toes. I type 25, 35 words a minute with my toes. Ain't nothing broken over here. So, you know, I just continue to soar and make things happen. And that's who I am, unarmed but dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fabulous. So what's even more fabulous, if you don't mind my saying so, uh -huh. is the support and the vision that your husband was yes. able to see because one of the challenges that I think um, a lot of women feel like they may experience is not getting the support for the vision that they themselves see. Yeah. You know, but to have a, a spouse believe for you, yes. believe with you, with you. and yeah. believe in you, yeah. those three together yeah. has to be amazing. Yeah. So how did you find this wonderful wonderful spouse. Absolutely. Well, Toby and I, we have been friends for more than 49 years. I was six and he was 12 when we first met. And um, <laughs> wow. we just grew up together um, in the summer because I grew up in D.C., but he was born and raised here in North Carolina. And so I'd go to Grandma Rogers' house and Toby lived next door to my grandma. And so that's how I met him. Um, we got married. Well, we've been date. We, we were together 30 years. We've been together 30 years and 27 of those years we've been married. Mm -hmm. We got married um, on Christmas Day in 1991, and we've been together ever since. And we are just, we're, we're, you know, ride or die. That's my best friend. And, you know, we just, we just, we do everything together. We travel the country. Um, you know, this is what we do. We've been traveling for 22 years, and I'm so grateful and honored to, to serve him and he serves me and take care of me and I take care of him. It's just an awesome union and um, I'm just grateful. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So do you mind if I go back to some of the other things that you mentioned that kind of sure. jumped out at me? Sure. You mentioned that you had been raped. Yes. By a stepfather. Yes. And that you had been gang raped. Yes. Yes. Talk to me about that. How, when did, when, wh which came first? The gang rape. It was um, around 1981, 82, something like that. 82. And do you, how old were you? I was 19. Wow. And what was, what was going on? I mean, you were just headed home from somewhere or you, no, what, what happened? It was at home. It was in my previous marriage, my first marriage. I got married um, at a young age. I was 18 and um, our house was the party house and everybody would party at our house um, on the weekends. And on this particular weekend, this night, um, nobody um, came over to party. And it was weird. However, somebody knocked on the door. When my former husband opened the door, 
they uh, pushed him in or, you know, bombarded him in and Mm -hmm. proceeded to do what they did. They stole everything out of my home. They raped me repeatedly. Um, I almost lost my mind, but I thank God um, for for a sound mind. You know, I'm mm-hmm. just grateful to be here and, you know, to, to know who I am. And, you know, I've forgiven them. Um, that's been, that was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thank God um, for, for forgiveness. I'll just say that. And um, a couple of years after that, um, my stepdad, he started using drugs. He started mm. going down the wrong path. And, um, you know, he gang raped me. I'm, I'm sorry. He physically raped me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just, it was one time and that's all it took for me. Um, I was living at the home with him at that time. You know, so it was just a chaotic lifestyle at that time. And I thank God for, um, you know, just pulling me out and changing things and turning things around in my life. Uh, But yeah, it was it was traumatic. It was hard to bear, but I'm strong. Mm -hmm. Challenges come to make you strong. You know, no test, no testimony. You got to go through some stuff in this life in order to have a story to help somebody. And that's why my book, Unarmed But Dangerous, is so powerful because mm-hmm. it tells my story. That That's the title, um, Unarmed But Dangerous, the Tawana Williams story of relentless struggle and ultimate victory. I'm victorious today, Michelle, because... Mm-hmm of the things that I went through and I'm grateful. Well, did all of this, you know, the eighties was the big, was really the beginning of the crack epidemic. Was that what you, what was causing all that chaos? Absolutely. Yes. I was uh, addicted for 10 years from 81 to 91. And, um, you know, in August of 1991, I cried out to God. I said, help me. I said, either kill me in my sleep or deliver me from this crack and this lifestyle. And the next day I opened my eyes. It was supernaturally, it was done. I didn't want it anymore. I didn't want the friends anymore. I didn't smell it. I didn't crave it. It was just done, you know, and that's, I can't explain it any better, but that's what happened. And I'm just so grateful and I didn't turn back. I'm not looking back, I'm moving forward soaring and making a difference in my life and helping others um, give hope. That's why I'm the hope coach today. I'm just grateful. So how did that feel? I mean, you went to sleep. Yep. A a crack addict and you woke up, not a crack addict. So what, what was the epiphany? How did you know that that's what had transpired? Because I cried out to God, my husband Toby and I, you know, that was, we weren't even married then. Um, we were we were dating mm-hmm. and um, he was in the military. He was in the Air Force and he, he gave me all this money um, um, because he was about to go to Desert Storm. 
mm-hmm. in Saudi Arabia, and he gave me all this money, and he knew I was a crackhead, but, you know, he, he gave it to me and said, go pay the bills, make sure you do this, that, and the other. Well, he came home a little earlier mm-hmm. he, than, than he thought he would, you know, it. he came home, and um, when he came home, the bills were not paid, and the money was gone, mm-hmm. and I had to I had to confront him and mm-hmm. tell him how raggedy I was and how messed up um, I was at that time. And I just cried out to him that night. He cried, we cried, and, you know, we just talked to God. I'm, I'm saying I talked to a God that I didn't even know. I just knew that I couldn't do this by myself anymore. I tried over the years. And, you know, Grandma Rogers had been praying for me for 10 years. And so Toby and Grandma Rogers, they they interceded for me and on my behalf. Mm-hmm. And so that night we cried, we went to sleep. When I woke up the next morning, it just felt different. I felt, it was like, it, it was just different. I knew something was different and he knew something was different. And about a week after that, he proposed to me. Wow. And now that was in August and we got married in December. And out of all of those years we had been together, he knew that I was wish-washy, you know? I'd say mm-hmm. I'm gonna be free today and then I'd do it and do it again. And, you know, so I'm just trying to figure out. And in my mind, I'm still asking, God, how in the world did Toby know that I was done that wow. time? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. That's wild and beautiful and amazing. It is. is. So I'm just grateful and free. I am so honored and grateful. And, you know, it's just just a blessing to be here and to be able to give hope to other people, you know, no matter what they're going through. You know, a person might not, you know, theirs might not be crack. It might be something else. So that's why I give hope and, and, you know, that's what I do, and I'm just so grateful. So if you were to you know, give any advice to someone right now who's feeling like the world is against them, life is against them, they're not getting ahead, they're having issues, what would you tell them is the first thing they should do to start turning things around? Reprogram their mind. Their thinking has to change first. You know, that's one of the first things that I had to do. I had to just reprogram my thinking to the possibilities. You know, what if it, what if, you know, what if? That's a possibility. What if? And so I started thinking about the what ifs in my life. So, you know, I just had to start reprogramming my mind to the possibilities, telling myself, yes, giving myself permission, you know, Tawana, you can do this. You can, you know, it's yours. Go get it. You can believe it. You can achieve it. Those are some of the things, you know, I had to start affirming myself with affirmations. You know, you're blessed. You're, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And, you know, I just started talking to myself and reprogramming my thinking to to better things and after that i had to um watch the company that i had to keep you know the company that i was keeping you know after god delivered me i couldn't hang around 
crackheads anymore, alcoholics anymore, losers. I had to change the circle, you know, change the company that I was around. And so um, that's, you know, those are the most important things that I personally had to do. And then after that, I had to uh, change the way I saw myself, you know, because growing up, you know, everybody said, you look funny. You're too short. It's weird not having arms. You walk funny. You this, you that. And, you know, that consumed me. And one day I was like, wait a minute. Let me, you know, let me see what God says about me. And I got in the word and I just started listening and reading and learning and growing. And, you know, and then I started realizing, Tawana, you are the bomb. You are awesome. You can do anything you want to do. And it just started working for me, Michelle. I just started working that thing and moving in my greatness and talking to myself and hanging around greatness and, you know, getting a mentor and a life coach and, you know, people that were greater and that knew more than me. I just started hanging around greatness. Wow. So how do you, how do you, how do you get a mentor? Well, I found my mentor. I, I sought him, um, Mrs. Mamie Brown's baby boy, Les Brown. Oh. You know, that's my personal friend and mentor. Um, as a matter of fact, Les, his, his, grand, his goddaughter um, was a good friend of mine. She passed away years, a few years oh. ago. But anyway, um, she kept telling me, Tawana, you got to meet my godfather. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So one day I was like, okay, I'll meet him. And it blew my mind and transformed everything that I thought I knew. It just yeah. over, it just, it was just over the top. So, you know, before I met Les, um, I was just giving my testimony and just going traveling to churches free of charge. And, you know, when, when I met Les and, and, and got into his network, I'm a Les Brown platinum speaker now, um, since 2004. But when I started that, it just, it just, you know, it just transformed my message. Now I'm the hope coach. I'm giving hope to people all across the country, getting paid to do what I love to do. You know, it's just a blessing. So mm -hmm. I'm just grateful and honored for, for, uh, the legacy that I'm leaving for my daughter and my grandsons and mm -hmm. you know the people that thought they couldn't do it. I'm pushing them and showing them and, and, and letting them know that it's possibly possible because I know that, you know, at some point in my life, I was so focused on my limitations. I forgot all about my possibilities. I focused mm -hmm. on what I didn't have as opposed to what I did have. Mm -hmm. You know, that's yeah. how I do the thing. That's it. You can't focus on what you don't have. That's true. Yeah. And that goes for everything in life, you know, Absolutely. whether it's I don't have enough money or I don't have enough, you know, education, whatever. You can't focus on what you don't have. You focus on what you do having. As 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 I've been told, keep your eye on Moses and put one foot in front of the other and everything will be all right. Hey, I like that. I like that. Yeah. So, you know, the thing that I really want to convey to your audience today is, is you know, is, is I want you to look at your life, look at yourself and ask yourself, what is it that you really want to do? And once you determine what it is you want, then use, you know, use what you got. Do it. 
Don't worry about it. Don't, don't come up with excuses. Well, I don't have this and I don't have that. I don't have the money. I don't have the right people in my life. No, in life, you're either going to have excuses or results. You can't have both. That's what I want to convey. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, you said something else that you, 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 you did. You said, get a life coach. Why do you think that it's important for people to get a life coach or some sort of coach? Absolutely. I think it's important because we don't know what we don't know. You know, we, we, we think we know, but we really don't. And so when I, when I met my life coach, um, he taught me the value my own value. I didn't even know that what I was doing was priceless. I didn't know. And so he, he, he started um, teaching me and showing me and coaching me and just, you know, just showing me how to master my mm -hmm. gift. And I'm just so grateful that, that I was right where I was supposed to be you know, learning and sucking it all in and sponging it up. You know, I, everything he sent this way, I took and I ran with it. And I'm so glad that I did. And so I think it's very important that you get a life coach or a mentor, um, that, that a person that will show you and teach you and, and tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. You know, that's very important. Yeah, that's critical. And I think sometimes that's a little challenging, you know, to accept, to hear what people are saying to us sometimes. It is. It is. But you got to do it. You got to do what you can, where you are, what you have, and never be satisfied, as George Washington Carver said. I'm just saying that is powerful. Mm -hmm. Never be satisfied. Never never and so you know I, I you know just think about this there's never been a statue erected for a complainer no hall of fame for complainers no books or ominous written for complainers if you want something in your life then make it happen you know ask yourself what is it you want and make it happen and that's what i did i took ownership of my life I decided that I was going to do this. Everything around me said I couldn't, but I said, oh, yes, I can, and I'm going to do it, and I did it, and you can do it too. You know, you, we all can do it. Yeah, that's amazing. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell me, Tawana, what do you have going on? Do you have anything that you'd like to share as far as events or any new books coming out? I've heard rumors that there is a movie coming out. Yay. Yes. You know, <laughs> yes, ma'am. We're working on my, my debut movie. Um, it's titled Eagle Without Wings, and it's based on my book, Unarmed But Dangerous. It's going to be a powerful, powerful movie. It's going to be a game changer for the film industry. I'm just excited about it. We don't have a, a target date yet. We're still working. I'm the co-producer of the movie, and um, I'm just working um, faithfully, diligently and, and, and making moves and making it happen. Um, you can uh, contact me at TawanaWilliams.com to see where I'm going to be if I'm in your town or your city. Um, my itinerary page is on the website, TawanaWilliams.com. That's T-A-W-A. -A 
nawilliams.com or you can go to eaglewithoutwings.com to see more about the movie and how we're moving forward and to stay in the loop. I'm just excited. So what about social media? Can people find you on social media or do you have Absolutely. any? Yes, I do. I'm on Facebook, Tawana Williams. Um, Twitter, Instagram, Tawana Williams. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. All on social media. I'm making it happen. I, I'm telling you, I type with my toes. I'm making it happen <laughs> and making a difference. Ain't nothing broken over here. I took care of my daughter when she was a baby. Um, I, I, I bathed her. I burped. Her. I changed her pamper. I braided her hair. I am the bomb.com. <laughs> I'm just saying. Go to my YouTube channel, Tawana Williams, and check it out so you can see the demonstrations of how I do what I do with my blessed feet. And I'm excited about it. <laughs> That's amazing. Because just taking care of baby just anytime is exhausting. Yeah. I can't even imagine if I had to do it all with my toes. I'll be honest. Yeah, absolutely. That, that was a challenge for me. People ask me, what was the most challenging thing that you have overcome? Motherhood. I'm going to tell you mm -hmm. that right now, especially in the beginning, you know, when yeah. she got older, you know, two and three years old, I taught her so well and she was so smart and mm -hmm. she was so intuitive. You know, anything I did with my feet, she was just amazed. She would just be looking you know when she was a baby and she just learned so quickly mm -hmm. and so you know by she by the time of uh by the time april was about three years old she was bathing herself and all of that so you know she knew that i was different her mom was different so mm -hmm. i'm just grateful and excited and yes i do have six books that i've written and unarmed but dangerous is uh, my classic book. We also have a children's book titled I'm Different, But I Can. We also have Motivation for the Soul. It's a collaborative book with 17 of my friends, everybody telling their story of victorious um, challenges, but they made it. Mm -hmm. We also have written um, TheBomb.com. Um, it's a book about uh, challenges and strategies and tips and you know it's it's a strategy book it's powerful mm -hmm. quotes and all that good stuff and then we also have uh mine interrupted experiencing technical difficulties i had a stroke in 2011 and um i didn't know i was writing my fifth book at that time but i did it um just just telling my story of how i how, how i um, made it on the other side, you know, mm -hmm. because, you know, when it happened, I didn't know my name, my social, I couldn't talk, I couldn't type, I didn't know anything, it just shut me down. Wow. Um, but anyway, Mind Interrupted, Experiencing Technical Difficulties, that's a powerful book. And my latest book, uh, A Book of Hope, All Things Are Possible, period. That's my husband, Toby's, um, that's our first book together, Toby and I. Oh, this is our amazing. first book together. Um, it's our foundation and how we did it and how we give hope to people all across the world, you know, across all across the globe. And we're excited about the books and the tips and the strategies and, you know, the things that we've given to people and the love and the hope. We're just excited about life and giving hope to others. Well, that's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. So you said that Folks can find out where you're going to be at yes. TawanaWilliams.com. They'll, they'll be able to find, there's a link, I guess, for events. 
Yes, it's an, on my itinerary page, my itinerary page. Okay. And you, you can also um, get my products, my books. I'm also an artist. I draw with my feet. I, I told you I'm the bomb. Wow. <laughs> you got to see my artwork. It is so powerful. But anyway, um, all of my products are exclusively on TawanaWilliams.com. Not Amazon, not nowhere else, just TawanaWilliams.com. We keep everything in-house and we're grateful and excited. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. But that's also wealth building. Yeah. That's also legacy building. And we're going to have to have you back on the show to talk about wealth building and legacy building, because that is where I think that we need to be going, particularly as African-American women. We need to really think about how we're going to create wealth and leave a legacy for our children. And it's not necessarily going to be by working through these systems that are in place. Absolutely. I'm excited. Whenever you're ready, I'm ready. I stay ready. Awesome. She ready. Yes, we always ready. <laughs> Thank you Thank so you, much, Tawana, for being on the show. This has been absolutely delightful. Thank you, sweetheart. I'm excited. Next, our good friend Julia Black will be joining me for True Talk. I know building a website can be intimidating, but you need a place where your audience can connect with you. Instead of fighting with technology, try the easiest, most flexible website builder available. With templates for all types of websites, ranging from landing pages to e-commerce, Urban Book Editor's platform makes creating an author website quick and easy. Just add a section, upload your photos and videos, type your text, and you're in business. It couldn't be easier. And if you sign up for an annual plan, you can get 10% off the first year. Just use discount code FIRSTYEAR. That's one S-T-Y-E-A-R. The number one S-T-Y-E-A-R in all caps. Take advantage of the 14-day free trial. No credit card is needed. Visit urbanbookeditor.com and select Create Your Author Website from the menu bar at the top of the page. No more struggling with technology. No more paying a small fortune to developers. Create beautiful websites without learning to code. Spend more time writing and less time worrying about your website. Just go to urbanbookeditor.com and select Create Your Author Website. You'll see how easy it is to build a great website to showcase your work. Go to urbanbookeditor.com and select Create Your Author Website today. All right, so we are back with Julia Black and True Talk. Hey, Julia. Hey, Michelle. Well, you and I, you know, we have all these conversations. And this last one, we were talking about, you know, different ways to deal with all of this um, worry, stress, anxiety, self-image, self-worth issues. And one of the things that we were talking about was, you know, kind of reprogramming our minds so that we don't spin out of control with all of these thoughts. What kind of experience have you had with that effort to reprogram the mind? Well, quite a bit, actually. Um, I, and we've talked about this before in some of my other interviews. I was that kid in school that was bullied, um, and then that kind of the self-esteem issues that led to that led to um, kind of an emotionally abusive, not kind of, it was emotionally abusive relationship that I had in high school. 
And when all of that was said and done, I did pretty extensive therapy. And part of what we worked on was mindset stuff. Um, and there was a lot of, you know, discussion of my thinking and how I was viewing things that were happening and experiences I was having. having. And part of that included um, stopping for a minute and, and, and kind of making the realization um, that I was viewing everything in a negative manner. So even things that had nothing to do with me as a person. So let's say, you know, somebody, you know, I'm, a, I'm at the supermarket um, and, um, and a cart, like a, a rogue cart started rolling down the way and it ran into my car. I felt like the world was against me. Um, and there was a lot of that kind of thoughts and everything that was happening was negative and against me. Um, and so there was a, there was a lot of talk in therapy about how to change that. Um, so it was, you know, we talk about what, how I felt the most attacked for lack of a better word, because I wasn't physically attacked. It was just there, all of these things were happening, mm -hmm. uh, how I was feeling attacked. Um, and then other ways to look at it. So if we use that same example, if, you know, if a rogue shopping cart ran into my car, instead of saying, you know, oh, the universe is against me, it would be like, oh, these things happen. Was, was the car, was the car damaged? No, it wasn't damaged. There's no, there's no scratch. There's no nothing. It's fine. Let's just move the cart back where it should belong. Um, and kind of really making an effort with every single thing where I started to spin out of control and look at things negatively to stop for a second and see if there's another way to interpret the situation. Well, yeah, because a lot of times it's where maybe we're feeling some kind of way, you know, about something where you know, maybe something completely unrelated. And then we project that feeling onto so many other things or other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the problem with that, as I realized since then, because it took me, it literally took me years to break the habit um, but in retrospect, I look at it and go, gosh, it took so long. But once it happened, I'm like immediate, once, once I got used to the habit of looking at things positively or looking at other possibilities, all of a sudden everything changed. It didn't feel like the world was against me. I could see everything that was really good in my life. Um, and and so it was, so it changed the energy so that things actually, so that good things actually did start happening. Well, that goes with that concept of, you know, you get what you expect, right? Yeah. You know, kind of a law of attraction type thing where basically the things that come into your life are coming because you are vibrating at that level for whatever reason. And so the cart coming and hitting the car may not have been something that you were actively thinking, but on some level you were anticipating something possibly happening to the car. Maybe, you know what I mean? Right. Like that kind of energy was somehow put into, you know, out into the universe and it, that's how it manifested. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing, you know, for me, I would, <laughs> I remember at one point, I had a very interesting experience. I had come back from living in Latin America and we had rented the house. 
And the lady who was living in the house did not want to move. I, I knew she did not want to move. And I was like, well, I need my house back because I'm back. <laughs> and right. so, you know, so you got to move, right? But do you know that every time I would think to myself, oh, I need to make sure that I call her and remind her of this having to do with the move. Or every time I think, oh, well, we've got to do that having to do with the move something would happen that would completely take me off my game and distract me from the fact that I want, I needed something to happen with regard to this move. It was the weirdest thing. And I remember noticing that at some point going, what is going on with me? Cause literally one time I was driving, you know, you just think random thoughts while you're driving. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, when I get home, I've got to say this to her about the move. And I literally, it's like my car jumped. It felt like, and hit a curb and busted my tire at that point. Wow. Yeah, it was really, it was really weird. And that's when I'm like, oh my goodness, what's going on with me that made that happen was when I started thinking like, what is going on that every time I think about the fact, and I was like, maybe I'm not in a, maybe I'm not ready to handle another move, you know, or something like that. There right. had to be something going on. And sometimes we do see those very clear indications that there's something going on with us but most of the time we don't realize, I think, that yeah. we're thinking in a weird way um, or interpreting situations in some kind of weird way. Mm -hmm. how did, so how did you first become aware that you had these kind of negative thoughts swirling around and they were maybe causing things to operate a certain kind of way in your world? Well, it started, well, it started with, 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 with anxiety, to be honest, started with anxiety, but I was no, so, so there was a lot of talk, um, and there was a lot of stuff, there was a lot of talk in therapy, and a lot of stuff that I was doing actively to make it so that I didn't kind of go down the rabbit hole, right, so when you're anxious, you start to get, um, you start to kind of worry about one thing, and that, and it ends up snowballing, so you worry about one thing, and then you start spitting about it, and it's like, oh, and that can lead to this, and that, you know, and what happens if this happens, then it's really going to be bad, and then this other thing can happen, and then it's really going to be bad, and you just kind of start spinning out of control, so there was a lot of talk about things to do to stop that, and those things included distracting myself. Um, that was a big one, um, is that because my mind was so overactive, if I could find a way to stop my mind from going on those tracks, um, that was, that helped immensely. So we made a list of, um, kind of self-care things to do, but we also made a list of ways that I can distract my brain when I start to spin out of control because, because it was hard, because it was hard for me to stop the thoughts once they started. So if I could distract my brain, it was going to be easier. So for me, because I always really liked reading, um, you know, it was, I always picked up a novel. So when everything's got really bad, I just kind of made sure that all of my kind of main stuff was done. And then I just started reading. And then when I got to a point where I was calm enough, then I could stop and really think through it and start working on positive affirmations, which is another thing that we talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, and looking at, you know, other possible, other possible reasons why things would be happening. And then once that happened, then all of a sudden everything 
once I was able to get the anxiety under control, then I was able to apply it to the times and the other kind of situations where I wasn't anxious. Um, you know, just, you know, randomly getting, um, randomly getting a flat tire or, you know, whatever, whatever other things were happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what kinds of things do you think people should think about doing to combat this kind of, you know, mental spinning out of control? Stop. Do whatever you can to stop. Don't let, you know, don't let yourself, don't start doing Google searches. I mean, when, when all of this was happening, I wasn't, the internet had just kind of come out and I wasn't really adept at it. So I didn't have, I had no way, well, I could have, but I wasn't going to go to the library and start searching through medical books or whatever. But when I start to get anxious about something, don't, don't go down the, don't, do not go down the Google rabbit hole. Just don't, because it's just gonna, it's just gonna make it worse. It never, it never makes it better. When you're anxious, it never makes it better. And part of the reason why is because, you know, like, let's talk about you being sick, right? So you could talk about, you could, you could type in symptoms and because you're anxious already, you're not even going to acknowledge the one that's like, you possibly have a cold. You're immediately going to go to the one that's, that's, you know, terminal cancer. Right. (laughs) Everything is a symptom of terminal cancer, by the way. Exactly. If anybody's been on, on WebMD, you should know that it doesn't matter what you look up. Somehow they're going to bring it around to you might have cancer. Yes. So just don't do that. Yes. You know, for the love of everything good, do not, do not go down the Google rabbit hole, whatever that is. Absolutely don't do that. But definitely distract yourself. Find a way, um, find a way to get your brain off of it. You know, call a friend and go have dinner. Um, and being with people generally helps because it gets you out of your head. Yeah. So call a friend, go have dinner. If it's too late, if you, you know, wake up at two or three in the morning and your brain is spinning and you're anxious about something, then pull out a book or watch a movie or, you know, meditate, meditate, meditation in the end. Once I started meditating, it pretty much solved everything. It was the hardest, it was the hardest thing for me to do as somebody whose brain never, ever, ever stops. The hardest thing for me to do was meditate mm-hmm. um, every day. I did it. I did a, I did it at least once a day, but I tried for twice a day and did it for 20 minutes. Um, and I did it religiously for six months. Um, and then, and it was the hardest 20 minutes of my whole day. Um, but eventually it got to the point where it made it so that I could control my thoughts. Um, and that was important. So, you know, and everybody's going to have a different way, you know, and starting and starting with now looking at it, starting with 20 minutes when you have a mind that races is probably not the best thing to do. Um, I would suggest doing, you know, right now when I suggest people meditate, I suggest they start with a walking meditation or guided meditation. Um, or if they want to try and keep their mind blank, start with a five minute meditation. Um, but it will absolutely help. It will absolutely help. Well, and I would imagine that also reframing is yes. what, what you were talking about earlier. Are there other ways that you could perceive this situation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you, and, and, and the easiest way is to just go, okay, 
think about your most logical, down to earth, normal, calm person, the kind of person that doesn't get like super upset over things, the kind of person that just kind of lets everything roll off their back. Ask yourself how that person would view the situation. And then, and, or, or, and take, and take a few different people, right? So, okay, if you have a friend that's super upbeat and super happy about everything, how would that person view the situation? How would this person view the situation? And take a look at, um, take a look at those things and then figure out which one you think is the best answer. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So guys, we've got a few things that you can do. If you find your brain just spinning out of control with anxiety, with worry, with self-image issues, self-worth issues, you're not good enough, you're, whatever those thoughts are, or even heaven forbid, I'm sick, there's something wrong with me, what have you. We're not saying don't look into it, but don't go down the rabbit hole, especially the internet rabbit hole. Uh, all kinds of crazy can come out of that. <laughs> just yeah. We want to combat the crazy. Yeah. We yes. want to tamp down on the crazy. Don't go into the Google crazy hole. Yeah, don't go down. Just don't, you know, and doctors will tell you not to Google stuff. They just, you know, they will. Um, so, I mean, yeah, if you're sick, then talk to a doctor or talk to an acupuncturist or talk to somebody that 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 is more knowledgeable about these things and has a lot more experience with these things than you do. Because um, that will that will help. When you guys want to make sure that you meditate, and I like to mention this because I think a lot of people think, oh, meditate, I've got to sit there and go, um, and that's not what some people are into. Uh, Julia gave some great suggestions about walking meditations and stuff like that, or just taking a walk in nature, mm -hmm. meditation. But I want to remind people that prayer is a form mm -hmm. of meditation. People forget that, especially in today's society, the way that, sorry, Christian folks, some of y'all go nutty over the concept of meditation. Like God doesn't want us to clear our minds. Y'all don't know what God wants anyway. Um, <laughs> you read are written by people who are interpreting what they think God wants. You don't know. So my thing is don't get so hung up on that word. What yeah. you're really trying to do is calm your energy and calm your spirit. Prayer is a form of meditation. I know this. I grew up Catholic. Believe me, I know yeah. that it can be highly meditative to pray, to just sit down and have that quiet time with spirit. Yeah. And, and there are other, yeah. And there are other, and, and different Christian denominations have different ways of quote meditating, right? So right. there's just sitting quietly and praying, you know, if you're Catholic doing the rosary, that's a form of meditation. Um, if um, there's a lot of like some of the more pro the Protestant denominations or the evangelical ones, any, any Bible verse, any really kind of encouraging Bible verse that you can repeat in your head that you've memorized, that's going to help. Um, the Quakers, what I always like, what I always like telling my Christian friends about meditation when they start to get um, a little angsty about it is that the Quakers meditated. Um, and what they did is um, they the statement was, Lord, have mercy on me. And they essentially would say it with every inhale and every exhale. So you inhale and say, Lord, you exhale and say, have, you inhale and say, mercy on me. You do that and you just keep doing it and you focus on your breathing and you do it with every breath. Hmm. Um, and that's, and that was 
you know, and the Quakers were actually incredibly meditative because they, because even like the way that their services were, um, you know, where, where people could just kind of speak up the way that their, the way that their weddings were, where there, there really wasn't a facilitator. There was a person up front and the couple stood up front and everybody in the, and everybody that was there could speak up and say one thing that they thought was, you know, God was putting on their heart to state. But after, you know, a certain amount, everyone just kind of sat there, sits there quietly. Everyone sits there quietly and, and tries to commune with God. And they speak when they feel led to speak. And at the end, the couple is declared married. <laughs> well, and that's, that's, that's really, well, first of all, who knew the Quakers were so cool? I know, really? <laughs> but on top of that, the point of it being really, don't freak out over the word meditation. Yeah. Prayer is a form of meditation, so you don't have to freak out about it. The main point is to calm the mind and the spirit and to commune with spirit. Yes. And lastly, don't forget that there are other ways that you can look at almost any situation. We're not saying that the way you're looking at it is wrong or bad. We're saying, though, that maybe there's another way to look at it so that it could be more productive for you, so that it's less destructive to your mind and, and spirit and your energy and that you can feel better about yourself and that situation. I think that's good stuff. What do you think, Julia? I think so too. And I think for the most part, the other thing that I think is really important with this, which we can have a whole separate true talk about it, but realize what your own worth is. Yes. Because, um, you know, the negative stuff that we have, the negative stuff that goes on in our brains, particularly if, if we think that the world is against us, has to do with us not recognizing our own worth and our own path and the fact that we were that we're here for a purpose we have a purpose and there's a very specific way that you that each person can change the world and well and i'm going to add one more thing in there mm -hmm. when you focus on these things like everything or everybody's out to get you you're giving other folks a whole lot of power yeah that is true and that's part of your concept of self-worth as well. Don't give away your power. People can only do to you what you allow them to do. And a lot of that is mental. It's not saying that you're doing something wrong. If somebody comes and punches you in the eye, they did that. They, were, they did something wrong. Okay? So we're not saying that they did not do something wrong. But we're saying how you feel about it and how you respond to it is all you. So, yeah. guys... Don't forget, you want to not go down that rabbit hole. Please, don't, especially not the Google rabbit hole, but don't go down that emotional rabbit hole. Make sure you get some quiet time in. Meditate, pray, whatever it is that you need to do to settle your spirit. And reframe what you can reframe. Julia, thank you so much for being on True Talk. Thanks for having me. Well, that's our show this week, guys. You can reach out to me online at urbanbookeditor.com or michelleberard.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram as Urban Book Editor. Send me a note. I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send in some topics you'd like us to cover on the show. Make sure you guys tune into the show on September 27, 2019, when my guest will be Leslie Ann Rosick. You can find us twice a month on Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern at the Somewhere in the Middle Podcast.com. Let's continue the conversation. You guys be good, stay mindful, and remain prayerful. Peace and blessings, y'all.